my name's Abby and I'm here for the PISD Board of Trustees forum today and this one is for place one so I'm going to introduce two candidates to you and I have nine questions to ask them um, and I'm hoping to get this get through this for 30 minutes so just a short amount of time but you will get to know these two candidates very very well and they will you'll be able to be perfectly informed in order to make your vote come um, this April May cycle for the next local election. So early voting starts April 19th and election day is May 1st. So this is the PISD School Board of Trustees. So let's get started and I'm going to start off with you Samida, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Samita Voiku. Um, I am running for PISD Place One. I have been in Plano for 22 years. Uh, we moved here to start a family. Um, I am from Romania, so um, I actually met my husband, who is also Romanian, at a wedding. Uh, so I guess the saying goes, if you're single, go to a wedding because you can meet your spouse. Because I, I forget to mention him. But yes, we met at a wedding. He's Romanian also. So we moved to Plano. We started a family. Um, I have five children. Um, two of them are currently in college. One is studying finance. And last, uh, during the snowstorm, we found out my daughter did get into nursing school, and she's decided to be a flight nurse. So she's, which is actually kind of awesome. She's the girl that would be going on the helicopter and land at the accidents. So she told my husband, someone's got to do it. And so kudos to her. I'm really proud of that. Um, I, I have three current students now. I've got one at Haggard, Clark, and Plano Senior. Uh, Plano Senior, he's a senior. So he graduates this year and goes off to college. Um, so for me, public education has been critical. It is the best equalizer that I've seen in my life. And it, studies shown that it is an equalizer to a socioeconomic status. I am from Romania. Um, there, you get placed in educational tracks. And so you have to just, that's it for the rest of your life. So if you're not good at math in fourth grade, you don't get to go to a different career. They pick a career for you. So here, the beauty of an America is that, you know, at 40, in my 40s, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do something else, go to college, do something else. And you can actually do it. Um, I do really appreciate that because a lot of country, even though it was then, you still have that once you're in that certain timeline, that's what you do for the rest of your like, life. And sometimes you just change your mind. I think that's really important that we get a choice to change our mind because I didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated. I thought I did, and then I changed my mind. It's okay. Um, but my parents came here. Um, we were political asylum refugees, and they just wanted a better opportunities for their children. But it was very, very hard for us. Um, we were very poor, um, and this was in the 80s. So being poor in America and growing up and going to the school here, it's quite challenging. Um, there were lots of obstacles for us, and one of them were... My parents didn't speak English and they didn't know how the system works. And it's hard as a student to explain to your parents how the system works when I'm still a kid myself. Um, I did attend ESL. It took about four years, um, but I had really, really great teachers. And one of them, because um, we have, it's just us now, because we have a little extra time. One of them was Ms. Crowley. So I missed um, some questions on a test and they wanted to continue with ESL for me. And my teacher uh, went to the ESL program and said, I think she'll be fine. Um, it's just a couple of words and we'll, we'll figure it out as we go along. So she was actually the one who changed a lot of things for me. Taking me out of there and keeping me in class every day was critical for me. Um, I did end up graduating from high school with honors. I got a German scholarship for college. 
um, I ended up taking Spanish in college. Um, Romanian is actually very similar. It's a Latin based language. So the, there's a lot of similarities to Spanish and my Spanish teacher thought I was studying very, very hard. And I had to tell him the truth that it was a Latin based language. And he said he expected more from me. I did like Spanish. Um, so I really enjoyed my college experience. I'm a student at heart, like I miss it. Um, I did go get an MBA. I also ended up getting extra masters of education level classes. I really like education um, and I like to learn. So I ended up taking extra masters of education classes in reading and writing for elementary students. Um, so in the end, I now get to live in Plano. I'm, I'm raising my family here. I run a small business um, all because I got opportunities from education. And I actually wanna see that shown through to the students that you can actually make things work just because of the opportunities you have here. Thank you very much, Samita. Lauren, please introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, Abby, for hosting us. This is such a great public service that you do uh, for school board and city council and, and the local elections. And as a Plano mom myself, I mean, both of us are Plano moms. This is, this is such a great forum. Um, I'm really excited to be here. I'm Lauren Tyler. I'm running for place one for PISD trustee. Um, I've lived in DFW my whole life. I attended K through 12 Plano Public Schools, Christie, and then Harrington, Carpenter, Clark, and Plano East before the rezoning. Uh, my husband did too, Mendenhall, Bowman, Williams, and Plano East. Uh, after graduating Plano East, I got an undergrad uh, at North Texas in biology and German. I also took Spanish and German in college. So that's one thing Samita and I have in common. Um, and then a PhD in neuroscience from UT Southwestern. So I have a lot of hats I wear, right? I'm a working professional. I'm the wife of an entrepreneur. I'm the wife of an army reservist. And I'm the mother of two small children. And so I really intimately understand how active and important moms are in their kids' education. I also understand the balancing act that many of us, particularly in, in families that are dual professional families, we're, we're both, you know, both parents are working professionals, you know, how you have to wear so many hats at once and achieve all of this to keep your family happy and, and healthy and moving forward. And so I bring this really diverse skill set um, to the table as a potential trustee. I have a PhD in neuroscience and I, I now work in venture capital. And so on the one hand, I have this very heavy STEM background. On the other, I actually work at a company that invests in other companies. I'm, I'm active in managing that portfolio. And so I understand STEM education. I understand budgeting. I understand how these companies are managing talent. Um, I've done a lot of science outreach and I really see every day from these companies that, that my company is investing in the types of skills and knowledge that our graduates are going to need for the current workforce. Um, you know, another thing about being a neuroscientist, I really understand how crucial mental health and wellness for our children is. You know, as moms, so much of us are talking constantly about managing work-life balance. That's the, that's the phrase, work-life balance. And, you know, it, it makes me, you know, understand, I think, on a higher level that our kids really need this academic wellness balance. You know, they need balance in their life, just like we as moms need balance in, in our life. So I'm excited to be here today. Um, I'm happy to talk to your group. And, you know, thank you again for this great public service you're doing, Abby. Thank you. Okay, so let's start off with this question. Should be a fairly quick answer, but why is now the right time for you to join 
on the Board of Trustees. And I should say that on place one, you both um, are vying for an, an empty place because the actual uh, placeholder for place one is going to be retiring, I think is the word. And that's that uh, trustee Tammy Richards is no longer going to be occupying, occupying that seat. Um, so why is now the right time, Samida? Thank you. Well, now is the right time because I'm involved daily in a lot of things that's going on in our schools. I have three, um, three kids currently. So I've been through the elementary cycle. I've been through, I'm currently dealing with the um, middle school crisis of middle schoolers, um, high, high school and senior high. So it's the daily activity, but it's crucial to have the depth and understanding of topics for all of our children. Um, things are different now than when I grew up. And things are different now in Plano. Uh, we need to focus on what we're doing now, what's working, what's not, because there are things that are working and things that are not. And just being involved daily, I think is crucial to understanding what our parents need and what our students need. Thank you, Samita. Same question to you, Lauren. Yeah, thank you. I actually did not decide to run until I found out that uh, current trustee Tammy Richards is retiring. And Part of the reason I think now is the right time for me is because I replace a lot of the skills Tammy has given to the board and her more than a decade of service. Tammy is an engineer. She also has an MBA. And so she has this balance of being a STEM professional while also having business experience and business acumen. And so, you know, it's, it's sort of gives you an idea of the differences that I have from anybody else on the board. And, and also anybody else running, being a STEM professional working in business. I also have two young kids. My youngest is almost two. I have skin in the game for the next 16 school years. Um, my kids, you know, if I'm elected as a trustee, my kids are going to be with every kid in the district. And as a trustee, I am going to be making decisions that impact and every kid in the district and making those decisions for every kid in the district with the rest of the trustees. Um, finally, you know, I'm a happy parent. My son started kindergarten at Daffron this year. We were very apprehensive um, about him starting school. He's deaf and people very often judge him by his disability and don't even consider what his actual abilities are before making a decision about him. And Daffron, those teachers and that staff have just, gone above and beyond for him. And we are just such grateful and thankful parents for the wonderful work that that school is doing um, that I felt particularly compelled to give back to the district, not only for my own educational experience, but because of the wonderful experience we've already had with our son in the district. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm gonna direct this question to you, Lauren, and switch up the order a little bit. So this is mainly for those moms who might be watching who don't fully know what the PISD Board of Trustees actually does. So mm -hmm. could you tell us in your words, what does a PISD Board Trustee do? Yeah, the PISD Trustees first and foremost work collaboratively to provide governance and oversight for the district. And so they have very little managerial role in running district operations day to day. You know, the really most important managerial uh, task that they do is, is hire the superintendent. But beyond that, the PISD staff and the administration is running the district. The, the trustees provide governance and oversight, much like in my career as a, as a venture capitalist, I provide governance and oversight to some of our portfolio companies that we've invested in. 
And so I think it's important as a trustee to work collaboratively. I think it's important during those board meetings to ask the right questions. And I think it's also important as a trustee to be supportive. And when the district comes to you as a trustee and says, hey, Lauren, you're a scientist. Can we talk about science? Being available and, and letting the district use your knowledge and use your network um, to achieve. That's, that's really what trustees are about. Thank you. The same question to you, Samita. Well, first, I would like to say I like the title of this. Uh, it's called the Board of Trustees. It's very important to me because trust is critical. We as a board are entrusted to provide direction first, set the guidelines and set local policy and to provide benefits, uh, oversight to the benefit of our stakeholders. And I believe the main stakeholders are our students. The Board of Trustees, as actually Lauren said, is like a board of directors, but we are elected and we are elected to serve for the people who voted for us and they will hold us accountable. So I do realize that I watch the board meetings a lot. They actually do have a lot of input on what is going on with the district. If there is a question that a board member has, the district will say, let us look into it and we'll provide you that information. So that oversight for me is actually really critical um, because it's many voices that are elected and parents or they're actually from the district that wanting to take care of the students, they can have the questions and the district will answer them or have to come up with the solution of their questions. So the board of trustees is the board of uh, directors, but they have a lot more input um, than it's given credit to. Thank you very much, Samida. So I'm gonna give this next question to you. So prior to running for the PISD school board, what, what has been your experience with serving the PISD community? And how does that experience make you the ideal candidate for school board? So first, what well, I mentioned it earlier is, I've been in Plano for a long time. I have many kids. And so I've been involved in a lot of different PTAs for many, many years. Um, sometimes multiple PTAs in the same years. And we do that because the PTAs actually do a lot of fun things and they provide a lot of services for kids in needs. So we do it for our kids. And it's actually a great way to meet moms. So if you're new to the district, it's a great way to meet new moms in the same grade. And I really appreciated that. So I've been in the PTA, um, at like what, Razor, Hendrick, Clark, Plano Senior, like from making food to being vice chair of membership. Um, I'm also vice chair of community relations for the city of Plano. And the benefit of that is it involves the entire city of Plano. And it's the one that works on the grant processes for the most disadvantaged in our city. And to realize we have our students who have issues, but we have the city as a whole that has issues, that has actually kind of helped bring it all together about the needs of our community. Also, what makes me different, in the end, it's the same sort of thing. I'm involved. I've been watching board meetings for two years at least. Um, I watch the work sessions. I print out the PDFs. I like to know the details. And what I like about the board meetings is what they say, the conversations being had, because those are the most important. So the agenda is very small, but when you start looking and what they're saying and what their questions, what the concerns are, that is more important. I don't want to say more important, but it's more illuminating than just the actual document. So I really do keep current what happens. And I think experience and knowing how the board works and the protocols, what they do is a main asset because there is a steep learning curve to joining the board. And that 
experience and just keeping it in track with all they're doing will give me an advantage so I can hit the ground running when I start. Um, like I said, I think that matters. Thank you very much, Samida. It's the same question to you, Lauren. Yeah, so um, in PIOC specifically, I'm a member of the PTA at my son's school, and I'm also a member of the school-based improvement committee. And so similar to how the board trustees ask questions during board meetings and, and drill down and try and get to the, the right data that they need to make recommendations, um, the school-based improvement committee does something very similar. In the Plano community generally, um, you know, in high school, I taught Sunday school at Custer Road United Methodist Church. I'm now a Boy Scout mom. I'm the den leader for my son's Cub Scout den and an active member of PAC leadership. If I expand it beyond Plano, um, one of the things I spend a significant amount of my time doing uh, is mentoring scientists across the UT system. So UT Southwestern, as well as the other University of Texas schools, and I think that this is particularly important because it's, it's all about career advancement and talent management, which is something that the largest line item on the PISD budget is payroll, is our teachers, is our staff, is our administration. And so I have this really long history of you know, mentoring other scientists in, in career management and also mentoring companies in, in talent management. Thank you very much. Okay, we're on to question number four. So Lauren, I'm gonna start with you. Yeah. What PISD administrative um, people or prior school board members have you worked with in preparation for running for this position? So I have to say, I am overwhelmed by people's generosity. Um, I reached out to several administrators in the district. I've talked to several principals. Um, I reached out to every single current board member and I have had the pleasure of interviewing most of them, some of them several times over many hours uh, to understand what the role of a trustee is, understand what it takes to be a good trustee and, and um, you know, understand what their day to day is like. I'm also very fortunate that I have had uh, the ability to have many conversations with the two trustees that left the board in 2019, uh, Missy Bender and Yoram Solomon, um, who have been just really great assets to me and coaching me and helping me uh, and mentoring me through this process. And, and I'm really thankful that both of them have chosen to publicly endorse me. Uh, so again, I mean, the generosity of the people serving our community, um, is astounding. Thank you very much. Same question to you, Samita. Yes, thank you. Well, I'm not sure if admins should be involved. Um, I've worked with the admins on official information about just how to run and just regular parent question about what's going on in the district. I wouldn't actually want to place them in an uncomfortable situation. So I would involve them in my campaign issues because they have a different job to do. Um, and actually, Yoram Solomon, Solomon convinced me to run. Um, he said, board men, uh, the board needs a strong parental voice like me involved in schools, a mom whose concerns resonate with other parents, a parent who asks tough questions and does not rubber stamp everything that comes in front of them just to fit the status quo. So it's interesting. I have not changed. Okay, great. Thank you. So question number five. So this one I am going to direct to you, Lauren. Um, if faced with another similar pandemic to COVID-19, how would you like to see the school district respond? Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting question and a question that school districts all across the nation are facing right now. 
Um, do I think that it's likely that there is the potential for another pandemic? Yeah. I mean, I think that most experts agree and everybody sort of had this hard shutdown in the spring and that was unfortunate, but the way that Plano ISD responded in the fall by trying to get as many kids in the classroom as they could, um, you know, I think was the right choice to make and the universal masking I think was the right choice to make, you know, one thing about the pandemic is that information is always evolving. The science is always evolving. And so at the beginning of the pandemic, it was not clear that children were really big spreaders of the virus. It was not clear how it was impacting children. That's all things you have to sort of learn throughout the course of this. If there's another respiratory virus pandemic, if it's an influenza strain, for example, it could be harder on children. It could impact children more. And so I, I appreciate the cautious approach that Plano ISD has taken. Uh, I appreciate their commitment to at least having some in-person instruction for all students. And I know it's been hard and I know parents are frustrated and I know that a lot of families are not happy with hybrid and virtual. Some are, some want to keep hybrid uh, or virtual and, and some aren't happy, but I think that they've had to balance safety uh, and education, I think they've done a good job of that. And I would like to see them uh, continue that if there's another pandemic. Thank you very much. Samita, same question to you. So first, since we're still going through it, the last thing I want to think about is the next coming pandemic, though I did have been reading about what will happen next. I think we're still trying to suffer, I mean, to deal with the uh, suffering that we've had to deal with. But I would just not, please make it longer. We can wait a little bit. But in the end, now that we know, so if something happens again, we now have data of what we can use and what would have worked, uh, what was necessary, what was not necessary. So that data, that information is crucial. I would like the district actually to respond with more transparency and put the needs of the students first. Because Lauren said it was ever evolving. The data was very evolving. So let us know what was going on. Let us know who you were hearing from and give us a plan of action. Um, so we don't just sit on our computers going like, what's gonna happen next six weeks or next nine weeks? Um, that being said, because of that data, the consequences that we have, what has worked with other districts all in Collin County, the two day lot, the two day implementation of hybrid with only two days live instruction obviously was not necessary for our schools. It should not have happened. And keeping that information coming out, keeping with the information that kept coming out, we could have reverted sooner to um, the basic traditional five days a week if you chose it, because a lot of parents that have the issues with the hybrid is that they chose hybrid and we weren't given that act, um, option. Um, because hybrid in the true sense of what happened in Plano did cause learning loss and mental emotional suffering for those students. And if we would have had that transparency and the listening to the parents and just giving us knowledge or listening to what is happening and what has been seen in other school districts, I think would have been crucial. So God forbid another pandemic happens. I do want the district to make sure they put the students' needs, their emotional needs, their mental health needs, and their educational needs first. Thank you very much, Samita. Hey, Lauren, this is a big question. Um, PISD has had attention in the past due to a history of bullying incidents, and Samarion's experience brought PISD back into the spotlight most recently. 
How could PISD do better when it comes to handling bully, bullying fully and equally in all campuses? And what actions would you like to see happen in the future to further prevent bullying? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I'll start with applying things evenly across campuses. Um, the district has a tip line that I have been informally polling parents and the couple dozen parents that I've surveyed, not a single one knew where to find that phone number or knew that they could call it and report bullying. Um, and so I would propose that that number is printed on the back of student and teacher ID cards uh, so that it's accessible, people know it's there and they know they can call that tip line. Um, I also think that uh, we need to understand the prevalence of bullying on our campuses. The listening sessions I think are getting to that. Um, I hope that the district and the board are collecting the learning from that listening session in a way that, that they can then take that data and review policies and procedures and understand what worked where, what didn't work elsewhere, and how you can apply an even standard with outcome-based policies and procedures. Um, the third thing, and I've heard this over and over from parents, is that there is a form on the website to report incidents. You can either email your kid's teacher, you can email the principal, you can call. That doesn't really create a paper trail, right? Necessarily, you may have some emails back and forth and a phone call, but you don't have a paper trail for the district to understand how that incident was really handled. And then you have this reporting form on the district website that I've heard a lot of parents say is just overwhelming to fill out. It, it's like a police report that you're filling out yourself with, Every, everything listed and witnesses and, and all of these different things. And so I've, I've heard from several parents that they feel like it's, it's too much. Um, and so having some sort of system, you know, that is a web form that you can document it and that information gets centrally collected by the district, but then also informs the principal and the teacher, hey, you have an incident that you need to deal with and it creates a tracker and it creates a paper trail that is auditable. That is something that the district can then go back and say, okay, we had 15 incidents of bullying at this middle school this semester. They can see that each of them was resolved. If they wanna go back and contact that parent, they've got that information and they can contact that parent and ask how they felt about that resolution, right? If I'm a parent and I just call my principal, the district doesn't even know to call me and ask me if I had a good experience or not, and if my issue was resolved. So I think having some sort of systematic way to report that informs the campus and the district and allows for audit and oversight is really going to be important going forward. Thank you very much for that answer. Same question to you, Samita. So first, um, my daughter is in class with Sumerian and I would like to acknowledge the pain that he suffered and like she did. Um, what she told me when she saw it come out on, on TikTok was, um, this was bad. Um, and what I think could have prevented this was listening. So when the mother initially called, someone should have listened. Um, listening to the mom would have prevented this. We have policies in place, yes. We have David's Law, the past in what, 1917. We have that hotline. It's even in the bathroom stalls. Um, but if no one responds, to those calls, it doesn't matter if we have all the policies in place. Um, I understand, it happened to me. I called, I emailed, I showed up just in person. And the only time I got a phone call is when I got a transfer, when they received my transfer notice. Because what 
bullying has lifelong consequences and bullying happens a lot, but sometimes you need to end it. And for us, it would have been somebody picking up the phone and answering our calls because that would have prevented a lot of things for us. Um, one of the issues is, um, so it's actually, for me, it's not about policies. We have policies. They actually uh, implemented new policies last year about what would happen off campus. But again, you can have all the policies in place and if no one listens, they don't matter. If no one listens, they don't matter. Um, and I know they're doing the listening rounds now and I looked into that. I don't wanna disclose all this information. Um, and to, the last thing I want as a parent if I'm dealing with bullying is to find out when the next committee is gonna be so we can discuss it. I would like that phone call first. So, <sighs> As a parent who's dealt with it, um, as a parent who's seen it, and we know that bullying happens, but you, as a parent, when you're making the phone calls and you're trying to show up and you're hoping for a phone call, it's not just regular bullying of the kids being kids and like such like that. It's serious. Picking up the phone call would have helped a lot. Thank you very much for that answer, Samida. Okay, I'm gonna direct this question to you again, Samida. Oh. What does diversity, equity and inclusion mean to you? And if elected, how would you advocate for diversity and inclusion practices and policies across the district? Diversity, equity, inclusion. So um, Plano is very diverse in student population. There are um, a lot of people from different races, nationalities, cultures, religions, and we, we see it in our, um, our hallways. When I was growing up, I was the only immigrant in our schools because I grew up in a small country town and I, was look, I always looked forward to the foreign exchange students because I'm like, oh, well, everybody's from, you know, so another part in the Eastern Europe. Um, we have that here. Um, so I like this diversity. We, we, we learn a lot from diversity. I'm a big uh, world history fan. So talking to a parent from somebody out from somewhere else, they're like, oh, we have that too. That's really important to me. And I do think we have a wonderful diversity in our schools. Um, equity to me is like ESL classes. They help prop you up and help you out um, and help you get to where you need to be. And then you move on. Um, I think that's very important. ESL has been critical. Um, I, I can, English is, I can speak English well. Um, and it was that ESL, those little classes. And even some kids who, you know, if you have the remedial classes, if you bring in kids up, it really does help. And inclusion is, I think we need to take everyone in, into consideration. So last night we had, uh, we were at a, a forum, but an Indian American uh, parent came up to me and said, I have a friend who would like to talk to somebody because they have some issues in the world AP classes um, with, their, with their book and he's coming. And I'm like, sure, I have no problem talking to them. And they came and talked to me and they explained that they were concerned about what was, um, there was a topic in the World AP class that didn't fit with their actual history. And these parents are, there's like a hundred of them. They got involved in the curriculum process to make sure these schools can see and um, have data as to why this particular book would not work in the implementation of the curriculum. And I do like that they're, being, they're involved too. So we have all sorts of different parents and different groups and nationalities that are getting involved in schools. And I like it. Um, I, I like it. I think it's great. Um, like I said, I'm, growing up, I had the weirdest name in our school. And um, here, it's okay because they're like, oh, everybody asks, where are you from? And I'm fine with people asking where I'm from. 
though sometimes, you know, they're like, oh, from Dracula. It's more than just Dracula in Romania. We have a lot of different things that go there, but I like it. And my kids have friends when all sorts, it's almost like a little UN when they hang out. And I like that. So that's fine. Thank you for the answer, Samida. The same question goes to you, Lauren. Yeah, I think fundamentally that every single person that touches the district, the students, the parents, the staff, the teachers, the administrators, everyone, everyone needs to feel welcome. Everyone needs to feel valued and everyone needs to feel respected. Um, if we talk about diversity, one thing that I think is really important is that students see teachers that look like them. We need a diversity among our staff so that students can understand they are learning from and with a diverse group of educators and that that's a wonderful thing. It brings such a great perspective and it allows every student in our district to have role models from different cultures who grew up in different perspectives. If we talk about equity, it's ensuring that everyone, the staff, the teachers, and especially the students, they have the tools and the resources that they need to succeed and the tools and the resources that they need to achieve personal growth. Those tools and resources may not be the same for everyone, but that's what equity is about, is ensuring that every student has what they need to meet their own individual needs. And then when we talk about inclusion, everyone needs a seat at the table. Um, I've heard from many parents, particularly around the bullying situation, and particularly from moms of color, uh, that they don't feel heard, that they feel like they can speak and that they are not being listened to. And I think that one of the biggest things that we can do uh, to promote inclusion is to ensure that everyone feels listened to and that everyone has a seat at the table. Thank you very much for that answer, Lauren. Okay, question number eight. So I'm gonna direct this one to you, Samida. The pressure on our school finances is an ongoing issue due to Robin Hood recapture. And the potential for school vouchers also being used outside of PSD, PISD for other types of schooling. What is your view on protecting and advocating for PISD in this respect? Thank you for that. So there is no current legislation for universal vouchers on the agenda. Um, Texas Leeds will close soon and we'll be back in two years. So vouchers are actually not an issue. The two pieces of legislation, and I, I don't think they've reached committee yet because I'm not really following them. One deals with only the woodlands and the other one is if schools are not offering face-to-face -face, um, that they would request vouchers. But I'm not following that because PISD has a, let a legislature, legislative uh, agenda and they show which bills they're following. Um, Robinhood will be, continue to be an issue. And HB3 actually did help in resetting the amount and helping our taxpayers. And um, in a previous forum, Nancy mentioned something that I was like, oh, this is a great idea. I'm gonna support the cap on re um, recapture payments because we're losing a lot of money and it's almost like 30% of what we pay out to recapture and considering what's going on with our finances, let's cap it. So that way we, we don't lose so much and there's a limit to what we're putting out there. Um, so we need to work with what we have um, and what we control. And one of the things we have and we can hopefully control is our students So and retaining them. My advocacy would be um, let's make Plano academically strong 
that we don't lose our students and the newcomers moving into Plano will choose PISD because in a current um, session, um, in a current meeting, the CFO said that the people moving into Plano are not enrolling their kids into Plano. So we need to fix that because we need the attendance. We need our kids, we need our kids in school. And um, the kids that actually left last year, we should go try to find them, find out why they left to see if we can bring them back. Um, so my advocacy is to, we need to retain our students and make it so academically strong that people want to stay here. Thank you, Samida. I think you've kind of overlapped with the next question, I but I will ask that later, it's okay. Same. Um, same question to you, Lauren. Yeah, I think one thing that's important to understand is that PISD has a legislative agenda and they are active in lobbying. So just because vouchers are not on the current legislative agenda doesn't mean that they're not gonna be on the legislative agenda in two years. And I think that as a PISD trustee, advocating for vouchers and advocating for taking away money from public schools is not the right position to have. My biggest concern with vouchers is that many private schools have no obligation to uh, accommodate students with disabilities. They do not have the same standards and they do not have the same metrics that they have to meet. And so you're talking about taking away public money from schools and sending it to private schools that may or may not be providing ADA accommodations, that may or may not be meeting the same standards as those public schools. And so I think, I think as a trustee, I am always going to advocate for money for public schools, staying in public schools with the high standards of the high accountability. Um, Robin Hood is an issue. I was at Harrington Elementary School when Robin Hood went into effect in 1994 and we're still having this conversation today. And one thing that really concerns me is that there's really a lack of outcome. It's a, it's a minority of districts that are paying into Robin Hood and I have not found data on outcomes for those districts and how paying, you know, billions of dollars to the state has impacted the education that those districts are providing their children. You know, in a budget of like 670 million last year, you have 158 going to recapture. That's a huge amount. And it really changes the way that Plano is able to educate students. And so I think that the district has consistently lobbied for changes and, and HB3 was helpful, but I think a lot of districts around the state need to start educating their citizens and saying, hey, this is really impacting us and please join us in this effort. Please join us in lobbying your representatives. Please join us in lobbying your state senators and let's try and get some comprehensive education reform that is going to fund our schools in a sustainable way that does not disproportionately impact schools like Plano by taking away taxpayer dollars from the local education. Thank you very much for that answer, Lauren. Okay, this is the final question. So um, I'm gonna ask this of you, Lauren, um, with declining school registrations at the pre-K and kinder levels, an aging population and school finance, which is tied to attendance, what can PISD do better in retaining and attracting more students to be enrolled than maybe choosing other educational options like homeschooling, charter or private? Yeah, I think one thing that we can really understand and we can really do better is 
understanding where there are needs for pre-K and ensuring that there are pre-K campuses throughout the district. We have a lot of services that are very heavily concentrated on the east side, but I, you know, where I live, I'm not going to drive 30 minutes across town to take my child to pre-K when there are private options closer to my home. And so I think if we are able to ensure that some of those are available in, in areas around Plano that are convenient to parents, we're going to be able to increase our pre-K uh, enrollment, making sure that we have pre-K in the right spot. Kindergarten is the same thing, ensuring that families know that we have a high quality kindergarten education program and that they believe in our kindergarten education program as compared to leaving their child in a private school. Um, I think we should also continue to expand education opportunities. You know, we have some new uh, classes coming, African-American and Mexican-American studies um, with the, such a high proportion of Asian-Americans in our school district, maybe we can find an Asian-American studies course that has been approved by the state of Texas that would be great to offer. So offering courses that reflect the diversity in our community and the desire in our community to learn about other cultures. Um, another thing we can do, and, and you know, this is going to be work with the city council. I think we need to work with the city council to encourage young families to move here. We need to work with the city council to encourage those young families that are moving here um, to feel welcome in, in Plano Public Schools. I think that that's very important. And it's really important to message those families as they're moving into Plano, like, hey, we have a graduation rate that's almost 96%. That's considerably higher than the state average. Our college readiness rates are considerably higher than, than the state averages. You can see our data. You can see Plano's success data on the TEA website. And so I think a, a campaign messaging that success data to new families in the district would really go a long way in giving those families uh, reassurance and an understanding that putting their faith in Plano Public Schools is the right choice. Thank you for the answer, Lauren. And then finally, the same question, and this is the last question for you, Samida. So finance, did you attendance and enrollment and what's going on with the loss of students? Um, that is a very important topic to our district. This year, we lost about 2,200 students that unenrolled. Um, that was a financial hit of $20 million for our district. 40% of those students were pre-K, kindergarten, and first grade, um, based on the discussion with the CEO. Fortunately, this year, we've had the home hold harmless, and so we're not taking that financial hit, but that number will still be here next year. So that with the projected loss again from ne uh, next year, that's higher than they planned, we're gonna take a big financial hit of this. Um, we've had a projected uh, decline till about 2024 when they're expecting the enrollment to go back up slightly. This financial hit this year and the coming year completely changes our projections. So one of the questions are, are where are these children? Um, they actually unenrolled. And so one of the questions they asked on the board is, did they stay in Plano? And I think that's a critical question. If they stayed in Plano, these are Plano citizens, but unenrolled from our districts, why did they leave? What schools did they choose? Did they move to other districts? Because I know you can, um, as a in high school, you can move to Lovejoy and just pay $10,000 a year and go to Lovejoy, even though you live in Plano. And most importantly, can we get them back? Um, because pre-K is actually, in order to have pre-K, it's a socioeconomic and needs-based. 
So it's not a universal pre-K. Only a certain amount of kids are allowed to go in pre-K. And last year, due to HP3, we got fully funded. But if we had that many kids in pre-K leave, why? Um, that's really important to me. And I understand the current discussion about using enrollments to fund um, our school and not attendance, but that's what we did last year and the uh, first part of this year and students still left. Again, why did they leave? So we had the funding, but the students left. And for me, daily attendance is actually an accountability, um, accountability uh, measure. I don't wanna ever say or hear said that it doesn't matter if the kids don't show up, we've got their funding. It's horrible to even think that, you know, like the butts in the seats. I don't like that saying, and I've heard that, and I, I just don't like that because that's not the purpose of PISD. The purpose of PISD is to educate our students. And I'm gonna end it with what, in a board meeting, um, our superintendent said, Sarah Bonder stated, all students should be in class all day, every day. And I completely believe that. Thank you very, very much for that. So this has been a really great session um, and I hope you um, have both enjoyed spending time here and, and um, giving your answers to these questions. Um, before I close off, I did want to acknowledge that all candidates have been invited um, and one, there is one candidate missing today um, and he was unable to make the event. Um, so for all of you, I want to make sure that you uh, do research both of these candidates. Uh, this is place one. Uh, so when you go and, and cast your ballot, early voting starts on April 19th and election date is May the 1st. Um, and thank you both for um, putting yourself in, in this, even in this race, uh, the amount of time and effort it takes. Um, I have so much respect for you for doing this for our kids, for doing this for, for our, our local school district. Um, so thank you, thank you both. However the outcome turns out, um, and I wish you both the best of luck. Um, and uh, for everybody else, have a, uh, a really, really great day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good night.